has a man wide open. Touchdown. Touchdown for Jacksonville. Touchdown, Jacks! You're listening to Down by the Bank, a Jacksonville Jaguars podcast with Corey, Derek, and JK3. All right, welcome to Down by the Bank, sponsored by Brewers Pizza, Orange Park, and Clay County's only brew pub. Corey, Derek, and JK3 are back here recording after the Jaguars-Giants 20-15 win. This is sort of like an instant reaction episode that we're recording uh, after the uh, episode on Jags-Giants. We're going to play an interview also we did with Daniel Popper from The Athletic. He's the new Jaguars beat writer with them. Uh, pretty good interview, and you'll get a brief introduction to him as well. So, Defense looked good. Offense uh, struggled, I guess you could say. Um, uh, JK3, I'll start with you. Kind of what's your uh, your instant reaction to the game so far? 1-0. Great. Fantastic showing um, by the defense. Picking up midseason form. Exactly what we thought. Miles Jack sealed the deal for us. 1-0, baby. I'm happy. Derek, what about you? Survive in advance, man. Survive in advance. You... you uh... You never take these games for granted. Anybody can beat anyone at any given time in the National Football League. And luckily, we came out on top. What would you guys think about, because I looked at this right before uh, we started recording in the box score, because it just seemed to catch my attention, uh, 11 penalties for 119 yards. I mean, what do you attribute that to? Do you attribute that to home cooking and the Giants getting somewhat of an advantage? Because it felt like we were getting screwed on a lot of stuff where they weren't calling horse tackle uh, uh, or horse collar tackles. Um, that two-point conversion thing was the dumbest thing, in my opinion. I know, Derek, you said it technically was not a two-point conversion, but it looked like one to me. Uh, it just seemed like the refs were, even though we won, it seemed like we were at c- kind of a disadvantage there. Was it that, or were we just not disciplined? Uh, a combination of both. I mean, there were bad calls on both sides of the ball. We got some lucky breaks, too. Um, but at the same time, when you uh, going out and playing hard, first season with these stupid new rules on how to tackle and, you know, trying to avoid using your head, uh, using the helmet, you do things. You know, the players, especially Jalen, said it best. You know, you changing the game and the way you tackle, it's going to make us change in how we do things. And, you know, we might do some things we wouldn't normally do, and you, you get penalties because of it. I don't know if you noticed. I saw a lot of high tackling today. Did you guys see that? JK3, did you see that? Well, the the, the high tackling was uh, was because nobody wanted to risk the penalty. So it's like you get you get the high tackling to risk the penalty, but as a defense um, oriented team, you're gonna get a lot of those um, those ticky tack penalties. Um, I think a lot of those penalties that shouldn't have been called. The the pick play where where the Giants really got most of their 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 yards in the first half or with with Ingram and Odell, that should have been a pick. Um, you know, so it, it's just one of those things right now where. Mm, it's a lot of penalties, uh, a lot of penalty yards, but at the end of the day, sloppy win, 1-0, couldn't ask for anything more. Yeah. Well, and Derek, you kind of alluded to this a little bit when we were uh, recording beforehand. I mean, it felt like a pretty good game on our side, but you seem to think, and I guess most people seem to think, that it was mostly our mistakes that kind of let them back in the game anyway, or the fact that it was close anyway, I guess. Yeah, it, it was our mistakes. It was our inability to uh, get sustain some offensive drives in the second half. Uh, and the reason why New York got going was because the defense started to get tired. Hence, that's why Barkley uh, went on that long touchdown run. 
you know, we'll, we'll get into that here in a second, but that's what happens when you're on the field most of the game. So is that so? Okay, so first of all, I'm. So, I hope this isn't a season trend with television keeping the cameras down near his legs every time they talk about him because that was about the most creepy thing ever. Every time they brought up his like big legs or <laughs> muscles or whatever it was, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'm about over that in that game because it happened about six times. Um. But that being said. Um, he seems like a good player, but it seemed like we prepared well for him. What happened on that big run? I mean, what, what caused him to break loose for 60 yards? Was it just the fact that we were tired or was it a scheme thing? It was a, I don't, I'm not going to say scheme. You're going to have a thousand people try to break this down. A lot of people like fan podcasts like us, you know, that are going to sit here and try and make it, you know, excuses about excuses about containment. Bottom line is he made a play. He made a play when they needed it the most. Hands down, end of story. Yeah, we were tired, okay? Yeah, there might have been some whatever out of alignment and a couple of missed tackles, but he made a play, so applaud him for that. Besides that, 17 carries, 48 yards. I mean, hey, it, 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 somebody was going to make a play. It was either going to be Odell, Evan Ingram, or Saquon. I would much rather have Saquon make the play that he's going to make. Um, you know, we were able to bounce back from it uh, as far as the defensive. Um, and, and I hate the timing of that play. Because Miles Jack gets a pick and takes it back, and then almost immediately they run, you know, a nice play with uh, with Barkley uh, for was that sixty eight yards. I mean, hey, it is what it is. You knew somebody was going to make a play for that team, but before that even happened, <clears throat> it, it was just kind of like a little bit momentum building up. I saw. Uh, you know, Evan Ingram was getting open and doing some things. Of course, Odell, they did some creative things to try to get him away from Jalen. Um, hey, so hats off to really, really hats off to Barry Church making a couple of great plays um, to keep him in check and the entire defense. It's just one of those things where you got playmakers, you got to contain them. And eventually they're going to do what they need to do. But as a team, you need to rally together and get the W. And that's what they did today. Yeah. So talk me through the Beckham thing, too, because I know a lot of like casual fans like me, and I'm sure all the Giants fans are going to say, oh, we lost. But Beckham, he really tore up Jalen Ramsey. But it wasn't really a situation where he was covering him one on one most of the time, was it? No. So they, they got they they got really creative with Odell. And that's what you have to do. When you have a defender um, that's as, as caliber uh, of Jalen Ramsey, you have to get somebody and got to get your guy in creative spaces, and that's what they did. They line him up in the slot. They line him up at a bunch of different places where Jalen may not have been covering him or could have covered him, and really that was one of the things that led to a lot of his success was that he was um, you know, in the slot. He was on the, the hash mark. He was on the field and boundary side. So they really, the, the, the Giants really did a good job of getting him not in predictable situations to where he was, uh, where, where he was able to just be guarded all the time. Hey, Derek, is um, Odell Beckham sponsored by Ramen Noodle? <laughs> I don't know. Just ask uh, His hair is looking a little, yeah, little crazy uh, there. I don't know. But look at it this way 11 catches, 111 yards. Oh, wow. Da, 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 da. No touchdowns. His long was 24. Yeah, he got targeted 15 times. Obviously, I can read the stats just like anybody else can read the stats. But no touchdowns. You know, none. And to get as creative as they did, and for us to not give up any touchdowns, then but don't break, it doesn't matter. Yeah, there were, you know, Jalen got beat a couple times. Boya got beat once or twice. The safeties, when they... 
When they lined up on TV, they kept saying quarters. Okay, people, that's four deep. Yeah, you got two corners and two safeties. Everybody's back. It's a straight line. And basically what they're trying to do is prevent anybody from getting behind them. So what they would do is when they saw that, they would make uh, Beckham come in motion, get him in the slot so he's with aligned with a safety instead of a corner. Smart thing to do. So you got to give you know the Giants credit for that. Plus, this is Eli Manning. Yeah, he's older. Yeah, he doesn't do the same things that his brother does, but he's still a two-time winning Super Bowl champion quarterback. You got to give him credit. You know, they 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 tried to prepare, or they did prepare pretty well, but they just couldn't capitalize. And you know, our defense was just really good. The look on Eli's face when that guy muffed the punt at the end <laughs> to not get the opportunity. Like they have the graphic at the bottom. It's like Eli's had so many fourth quarter and overtime comeback victories, and then he didn't even get a chance. I mean, I feel honestly, I felt bad for the guy on the Giants. I mean, how horrible is that? I mean, that's that's just awful. But um, one thing that got a lot of buzz on social media was Blake Bortles. Um, he seemed like he was in pretty good command, and he had that really nice run at 1.2, which um, secured good field position and a first down, but obviously he had a, a couple errant throws and the uh, the interception as well. So, uh, JK3, I'll start with you with Blake. I mean, anything to be concerned about or just sort of getting out the, the jitters? Well, first, first, first game jitters, um, as Jags fans, we know that Blake is good for at least one pick. I'm going to put it out there. He's good for at least one. So he gets that pick out of the way. Uh, he doesn't do too many reckless things with the ball. And, and shout out to the Jackrabbit, Janoris Jenkins. Uh, that was a great uh, great play that he made. Um, it was it was underthrown. He made the play that he was supposed to play. That's, that's what he does. So if Blake can play as much mistake-free football as he possibly can, we won't have those things happen. But when you make a mistake against a player like Janoris Jenkins, he's going to make that play eight out of ten times. So you really got to take it for what it is, is that you know that Blake is going to make a a bonehead play here and there. But for the rest of the game, with our defense the way they are, Blake can make that type of bonehead play and have him get bailed out by the defense and we still come out with a W. I'm not an advocate for those bonehead plays. Don't get me wrong. I know that they're stupid, but it's going to happen. That's what it is when you got with Blake. That's what you get with Blake. You get some of those plays, but if we can overcome those things, if they can be um, not as as in like crucial time frames, I mean, it's going to work its way out, and, and that's what happened today. It worked itself out. We still got the dub. Um, the, the pick, they're going to talk about it as far as him being Blake Bortles and being inter- interception prone, but... At the end of the day, we still got the W, one and all. Let's go to New England. Hey, and, or uh, New England's coming here, so let's move on to them. Yeah, exactly. Hey, and speaking of Janoris Jenkins, shout out to University of Kentucky. Am I right? Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> hey, hey, Stop, hey don't worry. J- J- JK, think, I ain't saying nothing, okay? Because, <laughs> you know, that, that uh, little meme you put up of uh, Taggart in the, in the nose getting ready, like they uh, dancing for, for a little say, like that old movie back in the 2000s, whatever. Uh, I forget what the name of the movie's called. You, you, you got served or whatever. Served. That's all we you do in, in Tallahassee. So, yeah. Oh, gosh, man. Um, you know, I, there's a play that sticks out, Corey, with Bortles. When he did the um, they did the uh, run option between him and Yeldon, and he took off for like 40 uh-huh. yards down the field. Did you see right. what he did afterwards? Did anybody take him? I saw him. I- uh, I saw him like kind of like laughing and joking and having a good time. Yeah. Was there something yeah, else? Yeah, he was laughing and joking with someone on the sideline. That's it. That's the difference. 
Bortles didn't get magically better. He's not going to correct his motion. He's not shoulder to shoulder. He's not footwork. You know, all this other crap people talk about. That right there, let's say it again, that right there is the reason why the, you know, the teammates have accepted him. He's better in the locker room. That's it. Hands down. We don't need to look at anything else. Try to overanalyze. It's just that he has now been accepted by the team. So he's going out and he's having fun. Yeah, and that's good. I mean, that's what you really want. And obviously over the offseason, he seemed to even win the uh, admiration of Jalen Ramsey, too, who uh, I think because Blake's not on social media anymore, he had tagged a lot of players recently and he put a hashtag and the little boat emoji after it to give Blake a shout out. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, what about that big play by Miles Jack? I mean, a lot of people talk about this is going to be his coming out year, uh, potentially like defensive player of the year type potential. Uh, what did that play tell you about him and just his game overall? Because he looked pretty good. Miles My- Jack made the plays that he needed to make. Um, and um, Lorente McCray, he's got to be like either co-defensive player of the game. Um, I mean, if you want to put Barry Church in there as defensive player of the game as well, Miles Jack, because he had the – um, the, the interception for, for uh, return. But L- Lorente McCray was unbelievable today, making great That's plays, uh, being, where he was, being where he needed to be. And it was absolutely awesome to see him flying around the ball. And I love that about the depth from the defense. Um, you, you know, Lorente McCray is a special teams captain. And for whatever reason, they needed to find a way to scheme him in today to make him, uh, you know, have an impact on the game. And that's what happens when you have depth. When you have players that shouldn't be making plays, making plays, absolutely awesome. Uh, so, yeah, Lorente McCray, maybe Miles Jack, um, Barry Church for sure did their thing today on the field. And it was uh, an awesome win by the defense. I think the defense really, really locked this win up for us today. Yeah, when, when you look at Miles Jack, he's a physical specimen. Uh, if, if y'all, where, where were our DBs on that Saquon Barkley long run? They were all getting outrun by Miles Jack. Hands down. Wow, I didn't notice yeah. that. Wow. Miles Jack was the only one that got back there. Now, granted, you know, it's it's really tough, you know, to, to when everyone's out of position and already done crashed down on one side, but Miles Jack was the one that missed a tackle on the line of scrimmage. So think about that. He missed the tackle on the line of scrimmage, fell, got up, turned around. Barkley had already got, I think it was Gibson to the corner, and he was headed down the sideline. So he ran all the way and caught up to him. Now he didn't tackle him, but that's 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 special right there. So you know, hats off to him. That's good, Jack McRae. I I forgot about McRae. Honestly, that's that's a great observation too. And um, before we get to who struggled the the most, what about Fournette? Is he going to be back? You think? I didn't really read too much about his injury. Is that anything to be scared of? Yeah, you know, hammies are hammies. They're tough. You, you never know. He's going to try and give it a go. They'll warm him up, shoot him up with some cortisone, see how it works out. And if he's too tight, then he just won't play. So, uh, you know, it's just hammy's a hammy, man. He's just, some, some people can just tweak it and some really pull it. And he's a bigger guy. You know, he's a, he's a big dude. So, you know, he probably really, you know, gave it a good yank. Yeah, speaking of that, uh, just a little side note here. I uh, went with my uh, wife to get our first ever couples massage. And uh, now I know how the athletes feel when they're getting their legs oh stretched out gosh. on the sidelines. Oh Pretty cool. Oh, my Next time, uh, Cor- uh, JK3, Corey's going to tell us what he went to cryo, whatever. Uh, and him and his wife went into the cryo uh, yeah. chamber. 
little, a little cryotherapy, you know, you know, had had to get had to get frozen to get back right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's next. That's uh next. Man, that, that um, 9 to 5 is, is crucial, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> All right, and then as far as and we'll wrap up after this, but as far as who struggled the most, JK3, I know you had an opinion on this one for sure. Yeah, uh Norwell, where were you at, man? Um, you, you were highest paid right guard. You had a couple of plays coming right up the mouth that you, you whiffed on. But, you know, hey, it's the first 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 game. We still got the dub. But I when you when I pay my right my right guard that amount of money, I don't expect to see things ran, you know, straight down the pipe like that happened. But um we still got the W. I'm still excited about it. And Derek, I know you're superstitious. I know you don't like to call out the GOAT, but bring him. Next week, bring the GOAT. We've got it going on right now. And somebody's at your house. <laughs> you, you know, the the biggest thing is uh, trying to um, – when, when you got the offensive line and, and the Giants have a decent defensive line and you haven't played that much together, it's tough, man. It's really tough. Well, and it's the first game, so I can't imagine that's going to be a uh, – huge issue going forward i mean obviously he was signed for a reason and uh it was a a move that was lauded by everybody so um you know good player first game he's gonna make mistakes that's okay no big deal Uh, i'm sure they'll gel and this is the worst game we have is game one uh against the giants in which we won anyway then you know obviously we'll take that for sure Mm -hmm. um Derek, any other thoughts on on player that struggled the most, or is Norwell pretty much the same guy for you? Not, anybody else that's still I'm not going to single out an individual person. The offensive line is just they they got to get a little bit better, and that's going to come with time. And they are going to get better as they play together. What they played, I think, the third preseason game together. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. So that's they true. didn't play. They didn't play too bad for you know they they we had 137 yards rushing as a team. Almost five yards of carry. Bortles only got sacked one time. Uh, I'll take that. I'll take that all day. Well, good stuff. Well, game one, undefeated. One and zero going into the first home game this coming Sunday, which I know we're all psyched about. Um, oh, and um, re- real quick, yeah, you were right, JK three. Man, you gonna call out? You know, Tom. Man, come on now, man. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I, I love our team, but. We we don't need to make him any more mad than he is now. You, you know he hangs up on little idiots like us that record podcasts and do radio shows. So you know, uh, like he's been doing to that local radio show up there. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm just ready to hopefully have a good game and let's pull out a home win. I mean, it, it'd be great being two and zero. Get our revenge. It's not, it, it's revenge, but it's not really revenge because. Um, you know, this position, if we beat, beat the Patriots, all it is is looking forward on into season uh, as far as home field advantage and everything. It's an AFC matchup. But, man, I just want to see my team beat the Patriots once. I want to witness it from my own eyes to tell my grandchildren that I saw my team <laughs> beat Tom Brady. Um, <laughs> and, and I can't wait, man. Everybody show up to the bank next week. Um, everybody be loud, do the best as you possibly can, man. And, and everybody show up in full force. It's going to be a playoff atmosphere. 415, we got the humidity on our side. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm excited, but I'm uh, selling my tickets for three times face value to a Patriots fan, so I'll see you guys on TV. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going. Um, all right. 
Well, cool. No, I'm going. I'm just joking about that. Hopefully nobody took that serious. Um, all right, so definitely uh, we'll catch you guys maybe later this week, uh, maybe after the game. I'm not sure what schedule we're going we're gonna to go with on that. But if you don't mind, if you could jump on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, review, five stars. We'd certainly appreciate it. And uh, we'll go ahead and play the interview that we did with the Athletics' new beat writer for the Jaguars, uh, David Popper. This is Down by the Bank. All right, guys, welcome back to Down by the Bank, sponsored by Brewers Pizza, Orange Park, and Clay County's only brew pub. It's Corey and JK3 here today. Derek is missing this one, but we are joined by a special guest, and that is Daniel Popper. He is the new beat writer covering the Jaguars for The Athletic, formerly with the New York Daily News. Daniel, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, first and foremost, and people probably found out about you uh, first on your introduction on Twitter, you mentioned that you're getting used to the beach life in your Twitter bio and me as a uh, lifelong Jacksonville Beach resident. Uh, kind of curious if that's Jacksonville Beach, Neptune, Atlantic, like what's the living situation? So when I took the job, um, I had like never spent any time in Jacksonville before. So I sort of crowdsourced information, trying to figure out where the best place to live. And everyone who had spent time down here, lived down here, said like I had to live by the beach. And I figured if I was moving to Florida, then that's what I'd do. So um, I looked around Jacksonville Beach. I looked around Neptune Beach, Atlantic Beach, pretty much all over, a little bit in Ponte Vedra. And I found a place actually in Jacksonville Beach, um, right in the thick of things near Lynch's Pub. Uh, so that's where I'm living. Uh, still trying to like experience everything around here because I you know, moved in Sunday. Oh, man. Uh, so trying to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, trying to check out, you know, various bars and restaurants and stuff, as I'm sure people saw on Twitter. Uh, so yeah, but I'm loving it here so far. Uh, it seems like a really cool community, and and I'm looking forward to to checking it all out over the next you know few months. Cool. And for ultimate fan engagement, if you can just go ahead and share your address, that way we can all um, visit, uh, and say hello. Yeah, I'm sure that'd be a good thing, right? And Jack's Jack's fans are. We'll, we'll take that information and use it appropriately, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, we'll have to get you connected in because we had um, Cap from – he leads the Bold City Brigade. I don't know if yes. you've heard of him yet. Yeah, I have. And and he, I, yeah, I interacted with him a little bit on Twitter uh, yesterday when I got announced. Oh, good. Yeah, well, yeah. he's in Jack's Beach, and the, he's cool. real big into the uh, local beaches soccer community. So I don't know if you're Ooh, a soccer player at all. I am. I'm a keeper okay. if anyone needs a keeper on their team. Got my oh, cleats nice. and goalie gloves down with me. So anybody needs nice. a goal, anyone needs a goalie, I'm here. Okay. All right. <laughs> So tell us a little bit about your background in writing and just sports in general and to kind of like leave it really open-ended, you know, how did you get started? Uh, you know, how did you get to where you are now? And particularly, how did you get to Jacksonville? Sure. All right. So I'll start from the beginning. Um, I'm from New Canaan, Connecticut, which is a suburb of New York City, about an hour north of the city, obviously, in Connecticut. Uh, grew up around there, obviously watching New York sports my whole life and figured out like from an early age that, you know, I wanted to be in sports. And, you know, I wasn't the best athlete and realized pretty early on that I wasn't going to go pro in anything. Uh, so decided that the next best thing to do is try and write about it. Um, so I started, you know, working for my school newspaper in high school, uh, got into the journalism school at Maryland, um, and went there for four years, wrote uh, my freshman year, got a, a job with the Dimeback, which is the student newspaper down there. Shout out to the DBK and, uh, wrote sports there for four years, covered the basketball team, covered the football team, was sports ed- assistant sports editor for a little bit. Um, during my time down there, I did an internship with MLB.com covering the Nationals. So I spent a little bit of time covering pro sports in the in the DC market. Um, and then after I graduated, I got an internship at the Daily News and uh, turned that into a full time gig. And then 
spent three years there doing pretty much everything under the sun. I uh, did some web editing. I wrote about the Mets, the Yankees, the Jets, the Giants, the Knicks, the Nets, the Cosmos, the Red Bulls, the NYCFC, tennis, pretty much every single sport you could possibly imagine. Um, and the past two years, uh, I was pretty much uh, the daily beat guy for the Jets. Um, so that's how I sort of, you know, got my feet wet in the NFL. Um, I'm not sure if anyone down here in Jacksonville knew about this. It was pretty big news. But in end of July, the Daily News, which is really struggling, uh, as newspapers are everywhere, uh, laid off half of our staff, including about 80% of our sports section. Um, unfortunately, I was part of those layoffs. So I uh, lost my job in end of July. And then you know, went and, and used my network to try and, you know, find a job and, you know, eventually got in touch with the athletic. Uh, they had an opening down here in Jacksonville for their Jaguars beat. I'd wanted to beat my entire life. I knew absolutely nothing about Jacksonville, but I knew that the Jaguars were a Super Bowl contender. Um, they offered me the job. I took it. Two weeks later, I hopped in the car and drove down 95 to, to Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, here we are. What do you say? I know besides Jacksonville being, you know, kind of a quote unquote small market uh, versus New York. You know, what do you think the biggest differences are right now between the New York market and the Jacksonville market? Like, I mean, like the size is obviously the first thing you look at. It's just the size of the market, the number of fans there are, the number of teams there are, the number of media outlets there are. Um, it's almost like comparing apples to oranges. Um, and that's not to knock Jacksonville at all. I've loved my time down here so far. The week I've been down here, the media members I've met, the fans I've interacted with. Um, but it's just different uh, in terms of scope, in terms of size. Um but the one thing that's cool about Jacksonville so far is that, like, you guys have the Jags. You know, obviously, there's college football. There's, there's UF and Florida State, and that's huge down here. But you guys have the Jags, and the passion for that one team is already coming through in the week that I've been interacting with fans. Um, so that's one thing that's a little bit different that I'm excited about, you know. I mean, New York, there are just so many teams. You know, you have the Jets, you have the Giants. Like I was saying, I covered all of them. The Mets, the Yankees, everybody. So the the fan bases are diverse. There's a lot of people who root for different teams. Um, down here, it's the Jacks. Um, so that's what's what's really exciting. Um, and you know, I think it's a little bit you know slower paced just in general, which is a good thing. You know, like all this stuff. Like I'm not knocking Jacks at all. Like it's it's different, but it's good different. You know, Corey did mention a little bit about the athletic. Um, I've heard little bits and pieces here and there off Twitter. Um, never really knew if it was a, was a thing, website, cult. I'm not really sure. Uh, I just refreshed Twitter one day and saw all this athletic stuff. And now it's like they've got a million followers. I'm just like, dude, it, it's a cult. It's where a did cult. this come from? So tell me a little bit it's about that athletic. Do I have to, uh, you know, go go give my firstborn to be a part of it? You know, what, what's the deal with the athletic? Well, first off, uh, I got to say that I would it would be my honor for all of you guys to subscribe. Um, I promise you I'm going to work my butt off uh, to give you guys a new perspective and give you guys some stories and content that you're not finding anywhere else. Um, I can guarantee you that I'm going to work extremely hard to connect with you guys and to give you stuff that you, that you just can't find anywhere else. So that's my pitch. I hope you all uh, subscribe. But yeah, but in terms <laughs> of, of what The Athletic is trying to do. So it's a subscription-based sports website for those who don't know. Uh, it started a, you know, a little over a year, maybe a year and a half ago, um, and really started in Chicago. Uh, and it was basically just these uh, you know, venture capitalists who had money and were like, listen, there's, there are sports fans across the country that will consume this stuff at a rapid pace. And for whatever reason, it's not working right now with newspapers. They're not generating enough revenue, but there is a model that'll work. There are enough sports fans out there and they care enough that they're going to pay for this stuff. So that was the model and it's worked extremely well. 
you know, over the past year and a half, it's grown at a, at a, a you know, an extremely rapid pace. Subscriber base has been growing and people are loving the product. Um, and so the idea is give your writers the freedom. And I wrote about this in my, uh, in my intro piece that everyone should go read because it's, I wrote it a lot more eloquently than I can speak it. Um, but they give you the, the freedom to explore a bunch of different storytelling formats um, while also like giving you the time to report stuff out. So when I was at the Daily News, I had to fill the newspaper every day. So that meant going to the Jets facility and writing a notebook and writing a main and making sure that I was producing enough words to fill out the newspaper. And a lot of times, you know, that's good because uh, you're getting you're giving the fans the content every single day that they want. But at the same time, you don't have the time to really do more in-depth stuff, to really to call the high school coach, to call the relatives you know, to do the extra interview, to, you know, spend a little more time researching, whatever it is, whatever you do at that time, that's what the athletic is affording its writers. And the end result is just that better product overall. You're having better stories, more thorough stories. Um, and fans are responding. They love it because it's just, it's better. They're more knowledgeable about their team. Um, and so that's the whole idea behind the athletic. And, and I'm going to use that time to, to, like I said, make the extra calls and, and give fans the type of thorough stuff that maybe they're not getting anywhere else or, or in this market right now. Yeah. And hey, Daniel, because it seems like you've interacted with some of the local media already, uh, just based on what I can tell. Like, what is their opinion of The Athletic? Have they given you any feedback? Do they think it's an interesting concept? Like, what what have you been hearing so far? Yeah. Well, I think like anybody that works in sports media knows that, you know, newspapers aren't doing it right now. You know, like they're not going to make the cut and I love newspapers. I'm a newspaper guy. I obviously worked at Daily News. I think that journalism is incredibly important and newspapers specifically are incredibly important to our society. Um, but at the end of the day, these are businesses and you have to find a way to make money. Um, so, um, you know, these, a lot of guys feel the same way I do about newspapers. You know, they, they love them, but at the same time, they understand that there has to be different avenues and that they appreciate the fact that The Athletic is going for it. Um, everyone on the beat has been super, super nice to me, just the same way that pretty much everyone in Jacksonville has been super wel- welcoming. Um, <laughs> so I appreciate that uh, about them. Now, you, you, I don't know what they're talking about behind my back, you know, but to my face, they've all been, you know, to my face, they've all been nice and welcoming. And, and yeah, I've already like, you know, started developing friendships with some of those guys. Um, but I think there's, there's a little animosity towards The Athletic just because um, you know, it's, it's successful and they're poaching a lot of writers. Um, but I think for the most part, if you care about journalism and you're, and you've worked in sports media for a long time, you appreciate, you know, a company trying something new. No, it is interesting. And I do wonder if the athletic gets, uh, you know, becomes successful with the model that they have, if we'll see that with other mainstream news outlets, like, uh, you know, maybe not CNN, but some of the other uh, publications that are out there too. So when it comes to the athletic and the Jaguars coverage, I mean, what do we, you've kind of alluded a little bit as to the, the freedom that you have and what you can do, but what kind of coverage should we expect? I mean, just written articles or are there any kind of creative things that you're looking to do from a content perspective? Yeah. I mean, it's all, it's mostly going to be written stuff. You know, I've, I'm, I've obviously like just started. So uh, I know some guys at the athletic have podcasts and, and that sort of thing, but I mean, my, my approach to it, and I wrote about this in, in my intro piece, which again, you should go check out. And if you can't get, can't, you know, access it, then you should definitely subscribe. Um, but you know, my approach is, is, and this is really my approach, what my approach has been, you know, throughout my journalism career is like the first time you step into a professional locker room to cover a game or cover a practice. For me, it was when I stepped into the nationals locker room or into their clubhouse that summer when I was in college, like you realize for the first time that all of these players are human beings, you know, they have families, 
they have friends, they have hobbies, they like do the same stuff that we do. They're just really, 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 really talented at whatever sport they play. Um, and so that's what I, I want to try and do is tell the human stories behind some of these guys, you know, and try and connect fans to the players, to the coaches, to whomever by really painting a picture of them as a human being. Um, and I think by doing that, fans will be able to connect with them, you know, in a different way, in a way that they never have before. Um, and my hope is that by telling those stories, um, you know, fans will feel closer to the players than they ever have. Yeah, you know, uh, the best person to hit up for a uh, good quote, right? Have you heard this yet already? I mean, just from NFL knowledge, I guess, the best player best to kind of talk to. Oh, who is that? Yeah. Who is that? I have an idea in my head. Probably it. Uh, I would, I mean, JK3, you tell me, but probably be Jalen Ramsey, right? <laughs> you might have, you might have a little bit of connect, a Maryland connection with Yannick Ngakwe, get him to say more than like, I did, yeah. getting him, getting him to say more than like seven words, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely got to go after Jalen. Yeah. I talked to Yannick today actually, and, you know, established the Maryland connection. So did you cover, did you I cover got... the Terps while he was there? Yeah. So that's what I told him today. Oh, he was a, wow. So Yannick was a sophomore when I was a senior. Um, and I covered him that year and that was like the year before he had like the, the year that put him on draft maps. He had like, I think he had like 13 sacks as a junior and that's when he, everyone was like, okay, this guy's an NFL prospect, but I actually covered him as a sophomore and like, he didn't have like a fantastic t- statistical year, but watching him play as a sophomore, you could tell like, okay, this guy's going to be a pro. No doubt about it. Just because he was the speed, the strength that he had. I mean, he, like he overmatched offensive linemen, which he's doing in the NFL now, but even then, like what, just with his speed and his strength. Um, but yeah, so covered him in Maryland. Um, we'll see about Jalen. I don't know. I, I, my, my claim to fame right now is I'm the only Jags beat writer who hasn't been blocked by him yet. I'm checking his, <laughs> I'm checking his Twitter profile like every hour to see if he's going to block me. Um, well, uh, we'll give you some solid advice if you haven't already heard, but don't record plays from practice uh, if, it, if it's known that you're not supposed to. I just know. a heads up. Yeah. I feel like Philip got the short end of the stick there, I might add. Uh, how has your reaction, uh, you know, generally from the Jags fans, um, you know, been so far? And has anyone, uh, you know, thrown any shade your way yet, you know, from you moving down to New York? It's been like 99% positive. Um, I had a blast yesterday. So they announced, I announced myself at like, what, 9 a.m. And then like the whole day, it was just, you know, an influx of people just, you know, welcome to Jacksonville, looking forward to your coverage. I interacted uh, with some of the fans, some of the Bold City Brigade guys, and it, it was a pretty wild exchange. And I, I tweeted at them saying like, I would characterize this as enthusiastic and unhinged. Is that a good, <laughs> is that a good representation of Jags Twitter? And uh, most people said that that was pretty much exactly spot on, but it was a, it was a great introduction. Um, And like I said earlier in the podcast, like just the passion is coming through um, in terms of the response to me announcing that I'm going to be covering the Jags. Um, And so that's what I'm excited for because it's easy to write for a passionate fan base. Now I want to say this, like I'm going to, at some point I will write something negative about this team. It's going to happen uh, because no team plays a perfect season. Um, so that's, that's going to happen. Um, I hope that when I do write it, that fans don't jump on me because one thing I promise you is I'm going to be objective. I'm going to tell it like it is. Um, so I hope that you guys and all the fans out there can appreciate that. Um, but that's just, that's my job as a reporter, but overall, like I can't be thankful enough for the, for the response I've gotten from everybody. 
Um, and I'm just looking forward to, to connecting with everybody and, and all you guys and all you fans out there. I'm really, really like genuinely looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. No worries. This isn't North Korea or anything. We don't expect <laughs> propaganda. So uh, you're good. Yeah. Um, so one thing you could do us a favor on, though, two things, actually. So one, we have an ongoing uh, social media feud with Buffalo fans up in uh, New York because uh, they, they, they tend to still hate us because of their exit from the uh, playoffs last year. So maybe if, at some point we should, you know, kind of seek out advice from you on how to uh, interact with those folks where the uh, emotions can get, uh, you know, brought down a level because those guys are crazy. I mean, you, no you see the videos of them jumping onto tables in, the, <laughs> in like, in like, you know, seven degree weather. Like I'm yeah. after watching those videos, I was like, okay, you know what? Bill's fans are the craziest. Like you guys have it. Take it. You have the title. You are the craziest. Now stop. Yeah. Stop injuring yourself by jumping on tables. God. I mean, <laughs> they don't even talk trash on Twitter. They like legit threaten you and like want to know where you live and stuff. I mean, I had to like take a step back and be like, all right, guys, like calm down yeah. a little bit. You They're know? nuts up there. Um, yeah. And the other thing is, since it seems like you've had a pretty good uh, encounter with Jacksonville fans, hopefully you can kind of, you know, if you have former colleagues or people from New York that, you know, because it seems like everybody or maybe this is us being, uh, you know, a little self-conscious, but it just seems like everybody outside of Jacksonville does nothing but talk trash about Jacksonville and how much it sucks and the fans are crappy and we just don't see it. We think we have a pretty decent fan base. So yeah. if you could help spread the word, I mean, that would be a little helpful, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, it, there is definitely a little bit of a complex. I've, I've seen it like in terms of the tweets and stuff. You know, I think one of the Bold City Brigade guys, it, it all kind of blended together because I was just like responding to tweets at like crazy pace. Um, but he said like one of the rules was like, nev- he like, gave me three rules of the Jags beat. And one of them was like, he was like, never criticize Jacksonville fans and never associate yourself with anybody who does criticize Jackson. <laughs> and I was like, that's pretty, what's the third, what's, what's the third? No, one? that was one of the three rules. I, I don't think <laughs> wow. I can find it for you guys. Oh, yeah. one of them was, one of them was, um, you know, if you write anything negative about Blake portals, just expect like an outpouring of just backlash. That's what he said. But I mean, like if, if Blake Bortles plays a cruddy game, like I'm going to, I'm going to call it like it is. So I'll, I'll accept all that. If you want to, if you want to get at me for, uh, for criticizing Blake Bortles, but as long as it's it's objective and and I'm telling the truth, like that's what I'm going to do. You know, we'll definitely link everything up in the podcast description. We'll throw the link for that article, and definitely if you guys haven't already, check it out. Um, <clears throat> the Athletic is definitely like a premium service. I mean, you do have to subscribe to it and and kind of put some skin in the game. But again, like you said, I mean, you have in depth coverage. You have a lot of great writers that they've brought on board to sort of support that effort for for good journalism. Uh, as far as I know, Daniel, correct me if I'm wrong, but the um, the advertising or the subscription model prevents there from being much advertising on the site, no, right? No advertising. Okay. No advertising gotcha. at all. There's not, there is not a single ad on the entire website. So okay. it's extremely user-friendly once you're, I mean, even the app is beautiful and like run seamlessly and you can tailor the website to pick all the teams that you like and it'll, and it'll cater your homepage to that. Um, it's extremely user-friendly, extremely user-friendly. It's one of the best platforms I've used. And I, I know I, like I'm biased cause I'm working, I'm working for them now, but even before I started working for them, it's just, it's one of the best sports fan experiences on the internet. And I can say that wholeheartedly. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, definitely guys check it out. Um, we'll put the link in there again. You can follow uh, Daniel at, uh, on Twitter and we'll put that in there as well at Daniel R Popper. And of course he is the Jaguars beat writer for the athletic. Thanks Daniel again for joining the podcast. We appreciate it. You got it guys. Thanks for having me on. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.